Hey folks, Joyce Vance here. Former President Donald Trump's civil fraud trial wrapped up in New York last week with closing arguments. In defiance of the judge who had denied Trump's request to deliver formal closing remarks, Trump gave a courtroom speech claiming the case was a fraud on him. In other news, Trump's lawyers filed a series of motions to dismiss the criminal charges in Georgia, citing presidential immunity, double jeopardy violations, and infringement of due process rights. Meanwhile, a Trump co-defendant in Georgia accused Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis of engaging in an improper relationship with a lead prosecutor in the case. And federal prosecutors brought new public corruption allegations against New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez, including a bribery scheme involving Cutter. Preet Bharara and I discuss all that and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. So separate from these arguments about the indictment, a particular defendant, remember there are lots of defendants remaining in the Georgia case, not Donald Trump, but a different defendant, has made the argument uh, or made the allegation that Fonnie Willis has been having a, what they call, clandestine relationship with an outside lawyer she hired as, I think, a special counsel to assist and help oversee the RICO prosecution of the former president and others, and alleges further that this allowed Fonnie Willis to enrich with government funds, taxpayer funds, the special counsel, and that they took vacations together and had other excursions together. And this is a reason why she must recuse herself, he must recuse himself, and all sorts of other remedies are required. For her part, Fannie Willis, as far as I understand it at this recording, in the 10 a.m. hour on Tuesday, January 16th, has not made any formal response, but spoke at a, at a church over the weekend and defended her decision to appoint this person. Am I forgetting any facts here, Joyce? No, I mean, I, I think that that's about where we are. So the first thing is that it's important to say, we don't know what the truth is here yet. Although this morning there's reporting in an Atlanta news outlet that the lawyer for this defendant, it's Michael Roman, a, a Georgia political operative, that his lawyer says that she can prove it, that although the witnesses weren't willing to put it into an affidavit, they are willing to testify in court about this relationship. A and so then the question is, if it is true, let's just you know assume that for the moment, facts not in evidence, what does it mean? What Roman's lawyer tries to do with it is make this argument about financial benefit. And I just don't think that that works. Roman is making $250 an hour. He's a lawyer who probably commands four times that in private practice. You know, he's made $700,000 in almost three years working on this case. And he was brought on to manage the team to advise the lawyers on trial strategy. He is a former judge in the state. He is highly regarded. He appears to have the skill set, and there's been some reporting that says that a number of people turned Willis down. So there doesn't look to be an argument for disqualification here, just looking at, at you know, what has to happen under the law, even assuming that everything that Roman's lawyer says is true. 
doesn't look like there's a financial conflict of interest, doesn't look like there's a disqualification argument. But, you know, when you're a prosecutor doing an important case like this, you have to make sure that your behavior is beyond reproach. Yeah, look, there are many circumstances in which either a police officer or a federal agent, law enforcement agent, or a prosecutor or someone in the process, um, a judge sometimes, engages in conduct that is not right and that should not have been engaged in. And then the question is, does that mean you throw out the case or do you disqualify the person? And, and then more radically, do you throw out the case? Or is there some other sanction you bring to bear against the person who has you know, not lived up to their full professional responsibilities and duties? And that's really the question here. I don't think, if, if it turns out that she appointed someone with whom she had a relationship and that person is reporting to her, I don't know what the professional rules are in that DA's office and what all the Georgia state laws are, but it's certainly contrary to what normal professional rules provide. And in the highest stakes case, criminal case uh, of your entire career, um, in your entire life, when everyone is watching and everyone is looking and everyone is scrutinizing every single move you make, no one is saying, I think you and I are not saying that this was fine and proper and good. In fact, it's the opposite of all those things. The legal question is, does it result in a dismissal of the charges or a disqualification of the district attorney? And that's a little bit less likely, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think these allegations, even if true, have any bearing on whether any of the defendants are guilty or not. And in fact, Donald Trump's lawyer declined to adopt the motion. He said that the details were salacious. He had not seen any proof. And so he took a wait and see sort of attitude. You know, Fonnie Willis went to Big Bethel AME Church in Atlanta on Sunday, the day ahead of Martin Luther King Day. And the focus of her speech there was to say that she has hired three outside lawyers that they are all making the same amount of money, but that the attack was on the one black man. So I think we'll have to wait and see how the facts and the proof end up lining up in this situation before we can really assess it. I appointed three special counsel as is my right to do, paid them all the same hourly rate. They only attacked one. I hired one white woman, a good personal friend and great lawyer, a superstar, I tell you. I hired one white man, brilliant, my friend, and a great lawyer. And I hired one black man, another superstar, a great friend, and a great lawyer. Oh Lord, they gonna be mad when I call them out on this nonsense. First thing they say, oh, she gonna play the race card now. But no God. Isn't it them who's playing the race card when they only question one? Uh-huh. Isn't it them playing the race card when they constantly think, I need someone from some other jurisdiction in some other state to tell me how to do a job I've been doing almost 30 years. So I'm a little surprised at any restraint shown by Trump or his representatives. Right? This seems like the exact kind of thing hypocrisy notwithstanding, that Trump would seize on. Um, it allows him to engage in further ad hominem attacks. Do you find it odd that Trump's lawyer hasn't been directed by Trump 
to adopt and seize upon these arguments because they make headlines. They allow him to be obnoxious and aggressive to a layperson, you know, notwithstanding the legal analysis we just suggested, you know, it looks like it's improper. It looks like it's, it's a prosecution being brought by someone who isn't crossing all the T's and dotting the I's and doing all the right things along the way. Why would he be restrained now? I actually tried some cases against Sadow, some um, Dixie Mafia cases with some sort of interesting defendants. And something that I observed is that he has very good client control and that he's an ethical guy. And so I think what we're seeing is a lawyer who probably told Trump what the rules were before he agreed to come on board on the case. Chris Keyes, who's been representing Trump, he's been one of the primary lawyers in the civil fraud case in New York is the former Florida Solicitor General, which is to say that he's primarily an appellate lawyer, or at least that was his background. He does not appear to have good client control, and certainly Alina Haba appears to be an enabler. So, you know, I think maybe it speaks something about the professionalism of the lawyers. Do you think the special counsel, if it turns out that there's an ongoing relationship between Fannie Willis and him, do you think he will continue on the case, whether or not the judge says there's a basis for recusal or disqualification? Yeah, I mean, one way of cutting off the controversy would be simply to step aside and to let somebody new come on board. Wouldn't you, if you're Fannie Willis and you find yourself in this predicament and the allegations are true, wouldn't you Wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't you do that immediately? You mean have her remove him from the case or herself? Correct. Yeah, I, him, I think that that's right. I think she will have She's to. the sitting district attorney. That seems more, that seems more radical, a remedy. But you know, my, my prediction is if all this turns out to be so, that either he insists on going for the benefit of the case and, and everything else surrounding the case, or she tells him to go, or they both agree that he goes. Yeah, I mean, the problem that she has is she's simultaneously trying this big RICO case, Young Thug, where some of her best prosecutors are tied up. But she's also gone on the Trump case a lawyer who she brought in from private practice named John Floyd, one of the biggest experts on the Georgia RICO statute. You know, she would have to move some players around on the chessboard, but it's not undoable. There's also been an argument made by Roman's lawyer that Willis didn't get the approval necessary to bring Nathan Wade on board. I think this argument is a non-starter. Judge McAfee has rejected arguments along these lines before. Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.